0: King's Hawaiian wants you to slider Sunday your way. And there are only two things you need
1: to know to create your perfect sliders. First, start with King's Hawaiian rolls and slider buns, since the best sliders always start with King's Hawaiian. Second, there's no wrong way to make a slider. Whatever combinations you love to create are the perfect sliders for you. So do slider Sunday your way. Go to the bakery or deli section of your grocery store and
0: pick up those sweet, fluffy, irresistible King's Hawaiian rolls and slider buns. And enjoy.
1: Yeah, it's Morning Combat, and it's back with a bang. Monday, August 26, 2019. I'm your boy, Brian Campbell of CBS Sports. And sitting in for the honky-donk man himself, Luke Thomas, is Chuck Mindenhall, the man in the hat of the athletic veteran journalist here. Great to have you, Luke Thomas, on assignment in Greater D.C., Something about jury duty, <laughs> maybe standing trial. Murder may have been the case that they've given him, but uh, great to have
0: you here. Oh, it's good to be back. All feels right. like a little right. while. Yeah, put it right here. Yeah. Like Man in the dead. Right. How
1: many hats you got? I mean, people I and mean, these are questions people have wondered. You really want to know?
0: I really want to know. I probably got about 20. Right, I'd all say right, about 20. All
1: right, good information. We yeah. got a lot to talk about right. in the worlds of mixed martial arts, boxing. Maybe tickle the rim a little bit about pro wrestling. I don't know if you get down Settle like down, that. We're no. going to find that out there. But let's hit it right off the top with the biggest story of the week. He's back. Conor McGregor. No, he's not fighting, but he is out of hibernation, at least for now, doing his first public interview in almost a full year when he sat down with ESPN's Ariel Hawani for a remorseful 41-minute chat, which touched on some of the issues of late. I'm not sure, Chuck, looking back at this, whether... A lot of talking in circles and we didn't learn anything. Or if you can put on your psychologist cap, maybe. Dig through a little bit. I'd like to hear what you got from it. I'm going to pass you the microphone first so you can bust like a bubble. Mm. Did Conor actually say anything here?
0: Nothing that made sense to me in the way that we know Conor McGregor, right? It struck me as a guy that was going through somewhat of an identity crisis. To be honest with you, man, we were watching him... um, Kind of stumble for words, stammering a lot. He was he was searching for the right words. It was almost like he was being repetitive at points. Uh, the obviously the agenda was to go on and make an apology. He did that. wasn't a good look in that sense because when his, when is he ever contrite? You know when does he ever do that sort of thing? So the whole thing, I guess, I watched it with a little bit of a surreal tinge to it. I was like, when is is, is there going to be something going on? I think that the only thing that really came out of it that I took from a fan standpoint a little bit was just that he says he's ready to fight again. He was dropping some names. He was doing that kind of thing. But otherwise, this is a different guy that we're dealing with. That's what struck me. And you think of it, you know, he was for so long, he was trying to live up to the notorious nickname. And I think that we were all a part of that ride. We were all sidecar to whatever he was going to do. Vicariously, we were going right through this guy. Now we're on the other end of that, and he has to live down that notorious label. And that's a, whole, that's a whole different angle, and I'm not sure he... You touched on a lot of good stuff right there. I mean,
1: ultimately, if we're going to ask what did we learn, there was a couple, I guess, news that came out of there. We found out that he was hoping to come back this summer. He was even looking at potentially a July card at Madison Square Garden. He brought up the name Justin Gage as a possibility. We didn't know necessarily yeah. about that hand injury that, that, is, that had pushed him off of that. But we wanted to come out of here feeling like, there's the spark back. That's the yeah. old guy. I mean, backbeat, the word is on the street, Connor. that the fire in your heart is gone. And I'm not asking you to be my Wonderwall or anything, but, but what I'm saying <laughs> is I want to come out of that feeling like there's still some version of that same guy. And I think, unfortunately, from a brand perspective for Connor in this, he almost looked like a washed-up rock star. Yeah. And I don't necessarily use washed-up in comparison to his fighting ability. I just mean he looked beaten down. Yeah. He looked like he knew he had to deliver an apology for PR purposes but I didn't see the fire, even with mentioning the names of potential opponents that he can fight, it
0: yeah.
1: it came across almost as, look, there's one thing, there's a reason we fell for him. There's a reason why he became such a phenomenon. It was what he was selling. He was selling unfiltered, Mm -hmm. pure, passionate confidence, unadulterated, irrational, obsessive confidence. And I think in a lot of us, and certainly when somebody comes on the scene like that, they're going to be polarizing because either you're going to look at that figure and find something you like out of them. Maybe that's something missing in your life or you're going to outright hate him. He had us all transposed to the screen at all times. But I didn't see that hunger back. I didn't see what you just mentioned, that character, the Notorious. And here's the deal, Chuck. When you put so much into being that character, it's your marketing scheme, the fact that you don't give a crap about anybody. You're gonna get arrested for all these random things. You're gonna go (laughs) in that cage, you're gonna knock people out with one punch, and you're gonna trash talk everyone. I almost feel like there's some expectations with that to carry that from a marketing standpoint. And what I saw was a broken man there. And it just was weird. I think it went on too long. I think it wasn't really the best look, whether you're going full on PR apology, or you're trying to bump him back up in the
0: public eye. I was confused coming out of it. You wonder to what extent that him watching Nate Diaz... Now, remember, Conor has even done a good job in this, in this hiatus, his latest hiatus of keeping himself in the headlines by just basically flirting on Twitter after somebody was a big victory. He'll go on there and basically make a comment and get everybody kind of talking about him again. He's been very good about doing that through his career. You wonder, though, when he becomes a non-story, as he did at this last UFC 241 in Anaheim, When Nate Diaz, when everybody's kind of expecting Nate to win, when he wins that fight, to get on the microphone, use it to call out Conor McGregor, and he doesn't. Instead, he calls out Jorge Masvidal, and that's not the worst of it. It's that everybody is surrounding it. Everybody in the arena and everybody on social media is like, yes, that's the fight, (laughs) and he is a non-entity in that scenario. When that happens, you wonder to what extent his identity is confused. Like he's like, wait right, a now minute. Now we're on
1: the psychology couch here. I think yes, you're getting, we are. I think you're, you're so you, you, you do wonder a that
0: though. You do wonder to what extent he's saying like, all of a sudden it's dawning on him, maybe like a, a bit of an epiphany like, hey, I thought I was here, but apparently now I'm down here.
1: And that has to play into his lot right now. In the old scheme business structure of UFC, he can call his own shots like no fighter had ever been able to in history. That's obvious. He was the biggest pay-per-view drawing fighter this sport's ever seen. Ter- yeah. Got to be the biggest personality in terms of people just addicted and just have to reach out and need to be a part of what's going on. Now he doesn't have that leverage under the new pay-per-view structure, but I think he nailed it. I saw a guy just longing for people to say, hey, remember me? Hey, how about me? And look, I'm asking for the character to come back. Yes. Underneath, there's a man with substance. I just felt like the man I saw in the interview, I'm not sure he knew who he's supposed to be. I wasn't sure he knew he had an actual handle on how he was gonna live his life moving forward. He recognized some of his missteps, did the I'm sorry, did all that, but I'm just a little bit confused on where his fighting spirit is. And that's ultimately what matters in the end. It doesn't matter about the whiskey. You can use your fighting fame to be able to do ventures outside of it, to become a whiskey salesman, to become a crossover TMZ star. Every time you talk, people are tweeting and writing about it. But if you don't go back to that well and pump it a few times, and what I'm saying ultimately is, I don't need 41 minutes of him apologizing and attempting to be humble. <laughs> he's not humble. He's never been right. humble. That's why we love him. Well, that's why I need him to fight, I ch- kept
0: waiting for him to come out of that, actually. Like, the first part, okay, we're talking about an apology. I thought maybe we are going to ride this for a minute. We hear it's 41 minutes, been teased out of 41 minutes. You're thinking, within that 41 minutes, maybe 10 of those are going to be an apology, and then he's going to return to form. It never really happened, and I think that that's... That presented, like, that's where it was surreal. And I don't know where the world will, you know, the fight world will be if, if that's the Conor McGregor that's coming back. I'm not sure that, first of all, he has an uphill battle to get that Nurmagomedov fight, the one that he's kind of holding out for, uh, according to him. I'm not sure how he gets that fight, even from a casual standpoint at this point. So I, I just think that he's going to have to, he's going to have to rediscover himself in a strange, like, th- that, that bombast, right, that, that kind of obsessive behavior. But at the same time, People now have a dark cloud over him. And it's just, that's going to be the type of thing. I don't know how he's going to overcome that as he goes forward. I don't know if you can play humility through a full fight, like a full fight lead up. You can't can't just like. So that type of thing, like he's jumped the shark in multiple ways, if we're being honest. And there's still this, let's face it, man. There's this uh, sexual assault thing that's kind of hovering over the whole situation. We don't know the extent of that or if he'll be charged in the end, but we know that there's an investigation towards that. There's multiple other legal issues that he's been dealing with. Well,
1: it comes to a point, if you're not fighting, who are you?
0: Like, that's like true. He
1: certainly sold his soul to a certain degree to become the biggest star possible, to wait and get that Floyd boxing match, to, to do all these other things. But at the end of the day, you got to come back and you got to be active. And I feel like, Chuck... That fixes all sins. It yeah. always does. Winning always cures all ills, right? If he's consistent in the cage and winning, we're not going to care to a certain degree even about the arrests outside. So that's yeah. why I'm saying I'm not ready for a remorseful Conor. Can there be life after Notorious, <laughs> though? Is there a second character that he can Don't put know. out there that would be marketable? I'm not really sure. Muhammad Ali was able to do it. But you know how he really did it? Yes, through social issues and stuff yeah. like that. But he did it by willingness to fight everybody, and winning fights he shouldn't have by being courageous. connor has got to really stay active to have that kind He's of going run to, have to. to win the fight, the
0: people over. Very interesting He needs scenario. to win a fight. Let's put it that way. He needs to right, win a real fight. Real quick
1: to finish this, gun to your head from what he said. He mentioned a lot of names. Even mentioned Frankie Edgar. Yeah. Edgar came back on Twitter and essentially said, although I'm planning on going down the Bantamweight, I'll meet you at any weight, brother. So what's most likely and when in your eyes, if you're... Plot, Man. Plotting Conor's future
0: here. You know, if, if, Gaethje, if Justin Gaethje weren't uh, fighting in a couple of weeks in Vancouver, I would be like, that should be the fight. But maybe that still is the fight, because honestly, I'm not sure that Conor McGregor's going to show up and fight uh, before this year is out. That could be, a, I, I would love to see that fight. I think that's a winnable fight. For Conor McGregor, and I think he has to look at all of that at this point. Like he needs to be strategic. He needs to be a big picture. That was one of the things we loved about him. He showed all fighters on the roster how to be big picture, right? By just being like picking his shots, knowing how to how to get through, and uh, always have the breadcrumb to the next guy. So, but if I'm him, who's the guy that they're saying he's basically ducking, or he'll never fight? A guy like Tony Ferguson. He I'm like mention that name. He did. He use did those mention words. it, and when he mentioned that, that was probably the only moment where I was like, wow, like this is this is progress. I wouldn't mind if you're keeping in the audacity and the confidence and the Mystic Mac vibe, right? Like the guy, who, the, confidence, the guy who sold Ireland on his spirit and sold the rest of the world on his spirit. That's the fight I would like to see. I'd like to see him go against a guy that everybody's doubting him and Maybe he does some, all right, all right. Some, some some version. I thought you were going to call it the
1: old guy at the, at the bar. You thought maybe we could get a rematch <laughs> We've there. We've seen, a lot, lot of stiff stiff seen a lot of all those right. pictures. Hey, let's transition to the world of boxing. We had a title fight this weekend in Russia when light heavyweight champ Sergey Kovalev defended his WBO strap against unbeaten Anthony Yard of Great Britain. The fight turned out to be exciting back and forth. Kovalev almost stopped in the eighth round and ends up rallying for a knockout win. The reason why this is topical, the reason why we're bringing this up right here is because Kovalev had a lot on the line here. This victory likely sets him up for a showdown with Canelo Alvarez, of all people, yeah. talk about a daring to be great. Yeah. Alvarez wanted to move up two weight classes to meet Kovalev, but at age 36, for <laughs> as good as this comeback win was, for as much heart that the noted frontrunner <laughs> Kovalev has shown, certainly a lot of questions. What did this fight do for you from the idea of what Canelo Kovalev may end up looking like?
0: Well, I think that just him being able to get through this fight was a big deal. I love those kinds of esoteric sh- stakes where there's like a big like hey, if you win this fight, 10 million dollars. Could be sitting there. You you lose it, you may be go <laughs> Exactly. Oh, yeah. And then there was a brief moment in that 8th round, not a brief moment, 8th round. I w- for a minute you're like watching all of those 100 dollar bills being lit up and be sent to the sky. So, um I thought it was cool that he, like I saw that you actually mentioned this, he kind of dug deeper than maybe we've seen him in the past. I mean, he'd
1: been called the front runner for a reason. In his losses outside of the knockout to Ladder Alvarez, Andre Ward kind of took his fighting spirit from him. I
0: I think that it it certainly sets, I I think there's intrigue to it, right? Like I want to see that fight. I would love to see you know Canelo go up those weight classes. Obviously Canelo's not going to be fighting Triple G next, so it's like if that's the fight that's going to happen, I'm down to watch it. I still now, from watching that fight and watching the vulnerability and knowing his age and all that, I still get a sense that that's Canelo's fight, even though he's going to be the smaller guy. I, still I feel think like that's that reinforced
1: fight. that. If you had any doubt about what that fight would look like when they fought, and the yeah. idea of he's Canelo biting off more than he can chew here, well, we got to understand, kofla has been a little chinny against the leads, does not like it to the body, as we found out from Andre Ward, which Canelo does oh so well. Yeah. And he's 36, still can jab stiffly, still has a game plan he can carry out. But this fight is so damn intriguing it is. because it's such a daring to be great. I mean, Canelo moving up two weight classes against a guy, Crusher Kovalev, who's one of the sickest punchers yeah. in the sport. You've got to see this. And it's interesting right now because we've seen Canelo linked to so many names in the past few months. And we know everyone from Tazone to Golden Boy yeah. to every fan to Gennady Golovkin was hoping we were getting <laughs> that Canelo Triple G yeah. trilogy. If we get Canelo Kovalev as things look right now, I think that's certainly a fine replacement because of the danger involved, the elements of history for Canelo moving up to yet another weight class to get a belt. But when you look at Canelo signing a $365 million deal with the zone and being undoubtedly the biggest star in the sport, What's the responsibility level in your eyes? We've seen Floyd in this position before, but he ultimately gave us the Mayweather. I mean, sorry, yeah. the uh, the Pacquiao fight. What's the responsibility of of Canelo when everybody wants Triple G?
0: Well, I know after the rematch, I think what a month later, whenever he signed that deal, one of his statements. You know, through the press was basically like, hey, I'm, I want to do what I'm doing this for the fans. This isn't about the 365 million, which, you know, obviously it is. But as he, he was saying, like, he's doing it for the fans. He was trying to remove that $80 uh, price tag from the pay-per-view. He was trying to get back in that sense. But the main thing he was pointing out was the fans, right? This is the fight the fans won. I think it's probably the biggest fight, right? Like, is this the biggest fight that, they could, that boxing could put on? Uh, it, Triple Pretty G, G, yeah,
1: yeah. G Canelo 3, I mean, outside a, of the He's weight, the A-side, right? Outside but of the Joshua a,
0: Wilder or Tyson Fury yeah. in there. So I'm like, it's under zone. You sign the deal with the Zone. zone has every reason to want to put this fight together. I mean, they, it's all about the subscriptions, and it, it's, it's kind of in the spirit of what you were doing when you sign that deal. So, yes, there has to be some responsibility. You have to have some personal responsibility, like give give the fight that the people want to see. So I
1: mean, in Canelo's defense, he was basically saying... A, I don't owe Triple G anything because right. I already beat him once. Even though obviously it's both fights very, yeah. very uh, disputed. And B, Triple G doesn't have anything to give me. He doesn't have a world title. I cannot extend my history. <laughs> I do think though, Kovalev is the best replacement gift. If Kinnel had agree. fought any of the other top middleweights, it's really a step down because the two Triple G fights both did over a million pay per view buys. Yeah. Both were fight of the year contenders, action packed, but dude, still out there. Even right with now. what we saw this weekend, even with Kovalev walking that line there's still legitimate danger. Canelo oh, yeah. is not a big middleweight. This is almost Sugary Leonard moving up to face Donnie Lalonde where you're just sort of like, what the hell is that going to look like? And Leonard had to get off the canvas in that fight. Ultimately, Canelo is such a good boxer, digs to the body so well. But you're telling me when those stiff jabs of the Crusher comes out there? I know Crusher's not the best dude. I know he gets handsy on airplanes. We're not cheering for him necessarily. <laughs> Couldn't resist. But, uh, man. Talk about making big, fun, creative fights in boxing. Yeah. That's a good one right there. I'm. Yeah. I'm you've got me that. fired up for All it, right. man. I like little, I'd love I like to I love the see little it. boxing
0: shirt you're, you're rocking bad, out maybe. right there. I yes.
1: got a little, <laughs> little King Mo action
0: myself, yeah. you know, big fan. I like myself. the dress code here. This is
1: great. Oh, it's very loose. Very, very. I like the vibe. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Also, this past weekend, Bridgeport, Connecticut, Bellator was back with a 225 card. But really, the big story was on the undercard. When congenital amputee and one-handed Nick Newell was back in the headlines making his Bellator debut and winning against Corey Browning via first-round submission, the crowd went wild. I was there. I should know. But, Chuck, this is a big deal because Newell signing a one-fight deal with Bellator, it was basically all or nothing. It was yeah. win or go home. He dominated yeah. five and four Corey Browning. I mean, it could have been bloodstained yeah. Lane in there that he was fighting. <laughs> this wasn't world-class competition. My man. Yeah. But you're a horrible person if you don't pop for this. The emotion oh, yeah. in knowing Nick Newell's backstory. I know you've, you've written about this through the years. Mm-hmm. Well, just as the fan in you, what were you feeling watching that?
0: You know, a little bit of nervousness for him because I did feel like this might be his last big chance to get something done in a big league organization. Because uh, obviously we saw him get a little bit of a shot in the UFC. Not a full shot, but a little bit of a shot. We knew that Dana White has his aversions to him. So to, so to see him get the, the chance to... Uh, you know, to go and fight in Bellator, and against a guy like Corey Browning, who I think was being structured like, hey, this is a legit guy who could beat him. He's already beat Baby Slice. He just went and beat Aaron Chalmers. This is real danger. I thought he was the perfect opponent to kind of get something done like that. So I felt I felt great for him, man, because he was uh, ultimately fighting in front of his home fans, and you were there, and you saw the pop he gets. They love him in Connecticut, so... I was just happy for him, man. He's a, really, he's a great kid.
1: He is, and his story is very inspiring. And I was really impressed with his demeanor. I mean, he's he retired a few years ago. Yeah. You know, when things didn't work out after that World Series of Fighting run, that was largely impressive. He went four and one, yeah. lost to Justin Gaethje by knockout in that title step up. Bellator, let's, let's be honest. I've called it before the uh, the Florida nursing home of MMA. I mean you can find second life there if you're an aging fighter. Sure. It's like that movie Cocoon with that that, that weird egg <laughs> on the bottom of the pool there. You can you, you got references, ba- baby. can dunk to be dunking basketballs yeah. after swimming next to that thing. The level of competition wise, this could be the perfect landing spot for his story. This could be an opportunity where he's fighting the right guys that could be competitive and he can win. But here's the deal. His in- story is super inspiring for a reason because he's been told no so many times because he's overcoming that. I got to believe in his heart. He still wants that end he game does. of getting in the UFC, having a real fight and getting a win. I know he had the Dana White contender series opportunity, lost by decision, got beaten up pretty badly, and we all remember what Dana White said after that in 2018. He said, "Look, like essentially to paraphrase, maybe this isn't the place yeah. for him. This is a place where many people with two hands and two feet have had trouble." Yeah. How do we deal with that in light of this victory? Because I think you can ha- I think two things can be true. I think one side of it is Nick Newell deserves an opportunity. He showed you something.
0: That's the... But the
1: other point of it is Dana White might not be wrong.
0: What you're saying is essentially the complication of the whole situation because the optics of it. If you're just tuning in, you're like, wait, is that guy missing his hand? It's an optic thing, right? Like, you watch it, you feel... Danger for a guy because it's the old saying like I can fight this guy with one hand tied behind my back. He literally has one hand tied behind his back. He's <laughs> going in there um, and doing this and we've seen him beat guys who don't really, you know, we don't know who these guys are but he's, he's winning. He's, he uses his wrestling really well. He actually uses his, uh, his, his other arm to set up things, it's it's kind of crazy to watch. It's, for,
1: for his left arm is pretty muscular, it is. despite you know his situation.
0: But it's a complicated ordeal, right? Like it's the optics thing, and then it's also an opposition thing. Even talking to Browning before this fight, you know, he's like, you know, this is kind of a, a double-edged sword type of fight. If you beat him, you set Nick Newell back on his journey, and he was sympathetic to his journey as well. So you have guys who are basically like wanting Nick Newell to succeed and don't want to have to be the guy to beat him. And I feel like that's where Justin Gaethje really was. The headhunter he's always been because he was like, hey man, he wants to step in when they all bust. I'll go right through him just like I do everybody else. That's what Nick Newell ultimately wants: is guys to not take any kind of pity to you know to go in there and do it. But he also wants to really ascend the ranks and make it to that top level and go for it. I'm just not sure that and will ever tough happen. That's a spot if you're a Dana White or a Scott
1: Coker because those optics that you talked about. if yep. You put him in a no-win situation with a guy who can do it all and can look. You're going to feast on your opponent's weakness. And it's very obvious if you come in from that left side on him, you're gonna have an advantage. So you don't want to see somebody beaten up badly. But again, Bellator might be the perfect landing spot for this I think to happen. So. This is a great story that I think Bell- hasn't even come close to crossing over in sports beyond the bubble of mixed martial arts.
0: Bellator is excellent, masterful at booking guys against the right guys. You know what I mean? They, they put a guy, they got a guy with a name. They're going to put him against this guy if who you're they you 50 killed. and you got a name, you still want to fight? It's
1: a soft landing pad yeah, But speaking of Bellator, one thing they give us this weekend, wow. Big time fireworks in this 225 card overall. 14 fights. They all ended with a finish. Woo! Uh, <laughs> let, let me just clear my head there. I was, was in the awesome. building for this. This was a great night of fighting. Our friend in the business, Mike Chiappetta, said this was the most violent night in yeah. MMA history. Your good buddy, Front Row Brian, tossed out on Twitter, hey, anybody know, what's the record of this happened before? We find out from people responding. Two bell cards in the past had all finishes, but they only had five and seven fights respectively. Right. You gotta go back to 2014 in the UFC. Rockhold Bisping won in Australia. That fight night had 11 for 11. Wow! This one went 14. I mean, Bellator has always done well with the matchmaking on the undercards in in yeah. giving you the type of fights that can produce these spectacular finishes, but also pairing their prospects with guys who can beat them. We yes. saw that again with Mike Kimball, one of my favorite young fighters, going down. But, like, what is the big highlight that came out of this? Because there were, like, four or five legitimate viral highlights on this night.
0: I mean— there were there were a ton. I, I think that uh, who was the who the heavyweight in the co-main? I, Tim I was, Johnson. Tim I'm, Johnson, I'm, I'm Johnson like got tonight. I, mean, I mean hours call. he basically got chopped down on the fence, and it was just the way he went down was just. I, I said it was like a, watching a great machine get shut down. It just kind of just slumped over his own weight. I mean, that's that's incredible to watch that sort of thing. The main event, obviously, like that yeah, was no a, stick kicks this time. No. in Mitrion
1: uh, Caratano. <laughs> no, we had a kicks. mouthpiece this year, though.
0: That was uh, and it was bizarre. It still ends in a bizarre way. Way, but uh it shows you better not get distracted by your mouthpiece in a situation like that. So that was a crazy knockout. But I mean you go back to the uh you know to the to the first fights. I thought that the you know he had a record broken in the in the fastest submission. I'm not sure yeah, anybody uh, can break Aviv that. Aviv
1: Gozali, the yes. 18-year-old, calls himself the king from Israel. He really made a giant statement about who he is. Running across the cage, eminari roll, that was getting the quick tap, 11 seconds, a new Bellator record. This. But did you see the setup there, Chuck? <laughs> His opponent reaching out the hand. And he no sells it and goes right in. Is that, is that
0: shades of is that- Eric Silva from UFC in 196? He did that exact same thing where he went in like he was going to high five and then just took the is guy. That
1: morally and ethically ah, sound in that's, your eyes?
0: That's I, I don't like to see that, man. If you're gonna if you're gonna offer the hand, you gotta like I don't like the like, you have to trust me on this. I don't like that idea. If you're going to do that, there should be an etiquette like you, you touch hands and then you set
1: up. That's fair enough, man. We <laughs> saw everything on that night. So where are we at with Bellator? We know they can put on the. Tent pole cards, yeah. as Scott Coker likes to say. We know they have a always a good mix of sort of wash names mixed with guys on the up and up, but then they can go dark in between. There can be a lot of Thackerville, Oklahoma cards coming at you. What do you think this card did to sort of update where we're at for that promotion in the kind of lane they're trying to stay in, opposite yeah. UFC?
0: I thought it was good in the sense that it brought a couple of guys to light that you maybe, you know, all of a sudden Henzo Gracie's back out Henzo Gracie's guys, and there's a Gracie on the on the uh, on undercard. A lot of those guys, I wouldn't have really paid attention to, but this card had a something to it where you were paying attention to the whole thing, and uh, so it got across. I thought it came across. Like people were talking, about, I felt like Twitter was alive with the Bellator event. That's not usual. So this one really worked. It was perfect to be on an off night for the UFC. Obviously, like that helps. Um, but can they carry momentum? Can they use? Can they put these guys into situations where you really want to truly follow the career? That has always been there. Their, uh, their hard part, right? Like, even during the thing, you know, they're, they're announcing Mir versus Nelson 2.
1: That's not going to move
0: your needle, No, right? it's not. I mean, it's but not.
1: do you think they're sort of evolving away from really their peak of, of drawing interest was about three, four years ago when you're doing Kimbo, when yeah. you're doing Ken Shamrock, Gracie 3, and, and you're waking up a lot of old fans to check that out. Do you think they've sort of evolved away from that?
0: They seem to have. I'm not seeing them put those kinds of guys. The ones who they're putting in there that are kind of the brand names that are in their on their fumes, like those guys still have something left to them. They're not if like you got a Machida
1: up. going up against a Musashi, That's exactly see that the fight. kind I of I got to see that. Yeah, fight.
0: I would watch. That's that's the kind of fight that I think they're at. Hopefully, we're done honestly with that. The, the strict sideshow stuff like the Shamrock. You know, I don't really need to see that kind of thing. I think all. they've
1: made some good moves though for their future. You got a 16 man featherweight tournament now yeah. that, that is must see. You got to see that. And then the announcement just, just that they had this week of we're going to get that rematch, of course, the finals of the Welterweight Grand Prix, Rory McDonald, Douglas Lima, going to be in our backyard of Connecticut. Yep. I'm fired up to check that out. Um, that's a fight that you're basically building mm-hmm. around two strong, modern, yep. in their prime pieces that could compete with anybody in the UFC. Got And I want to see,
0: I wanna see honestly, if, if Lima's, did his stock go up after that knockout of Page? Because to me, that thing was like almost like a... a it seemed viral, but I don't know if it really was viral. But it seemed like everybody was talking about that for the hot minute that it happened. I just want to see does that finally because that's been Bellator's thing. They can't keep momentum rolling with these guys. I'd love to see if uh, Lima gets. I believe Lima's for this as one. good as any, any fighter great, in the world. Man. I mean, he's
1: uh, it would you pound for pound he might be the best fighter on that roster. So it,
0: pound for be... pound, one of the worst talkers too. Though he's not one of those guys who's ever going to go out and with he's not going to kill you with his charisma. Well, Rory's not like. a great talker either. What's no, that's his famous true.
1: Soundbite: I'm going to take your health. Yeah, that, that's. I'm going
0: to take your health and. Um, I'm gonna spread the word though, the good word. I yeah, think that's more word. that's his new way of going. That's that's it right there. All
1: right there. Thank you, Bellator. Man, just turned to viralness. It was just in my blood. I just yeah. wanted, wanted to see more blood. He saw that nice blood oh stain on the canvas that Paige has husband it. left out there despite that <laughs> horrific net tech. You got any problem? Um, you got any comments on that the net? Third, tack? The third eye of yeah. the and that thing never
0: blinked. Not I wish once. you would
1: step back from that ledge,
0: Vanderford. Thank you. All <laughs> right, let's move on.
1: Hey Chuck, uh, we got UFC China this weekend. UFC Shenzhen? Did I pronounce that correctly? It's I a suck. fight night card. Traditionally, these UFC foreign invitation fight night cards are pretty awful top to bottom. This one no different, but we've got a very key title shot at the top when women's weight champion Jessica Andrade defends against Wei Li Zhang. Very good fighter. Yeah. Maybe got rushed into this because sure. of the setups here. But with UFC's expansion in China, with the performance center, with... The untapped potential. We saw Bob Arum try to bring boxing to China with Zhu Ximing, the two-time gold medalist. That came up empty. Untapped market there. It is. How important is this card just on an outside looking in for the company?
0: I think it's a big one because they, they, they had to, the UFC itself couldn't get into mainland China for a long time. I remember Ruff, remember Ruff that promotion Ruff no. R U F F. That's they, horrible. They were there. Yeah, it wasn't. It was not. It was short lived. But they had they were the only promotion I think at the time to get into mainland China, and that was kind of their their thing. And he was. I remember talking to the Ruff guy about how how difficult it is to navigate that that water, and to get through, and the UFC couldn't get in. That was the thing they held over. them. UFC fought for a long time to get in there. Now that I think this is their third show, possibly the fourth, I think it's their third in mainland China, they have a contender, and I think that that's the hardest part, is to get a good Chinese contender. Now, I don't know if she's going to be able to pull this off because Jessica Andrade is a beast.
1: And she's on on fire.
0: And she's on fire, especially after that Rose Namajunas slam. I mean, that's that's a ridiculous uh, reel, but out of all the women champions right now, I would have to say that Andrade has to be the one that you you think could possibly be upset. We've seen her lose. It's interesting. It's interesting. I'll say
1: one thing about this 115-pound division. I always say it. Pound for pound. Okay, it's not as deep as uh, men's lightweight in UFC right now, which was a historically deep division. But pound for pound, good Lord, Chuck. You get violence. You get action. You get competitive fights. Everyone's a player in sort of the top 15 in general. Andrade is hot right now. Zhang, we, we we've seen her put some wins together. I mentioned, look, we can't lie on the timing of her getting this shot with UFC going there. And the idea, Chuck, what <laughs> happens if she wins? The connection <laughs> to, to the UFC's financial future here. I mean, you want to talk about a card in China? Yeah. Somebody on the rise. Should she win a title here? I mean, it, it, she could become a top she five could. biggest star in the company when you just consider that market tapping into. How how. I, I guess I want to know is I don't know this. I'm going to ask you: How hungry is that Chinese that's fan what, base for mixed martial arts? I think
0: arts? that that's really the subplot of this whole thing, right? Like we we find out if if the, if that were to happen, and even in this fight, like I want to, I'm anxious to see uh, a Chinese contender. Like, how is she embraced? Does it become a, a sweeping thing across China? There's a billion people there, right? So. Some people, you know, like the one the one championship people are saying, like everybody watches out there, do they <laughs> like I want to find I want to see this for myself. but if it if it happens to be the case that a big portion of you know that population cares, she would be she just like that, she would become, I think, a global, you know, a global sensation in that sense. Like she would be uh, the UFC could go back into that market and she would be that. you know
1: it it would be very interesting to see how quickly she could rise with a win here. Now, it's going to be a tough out andraj on fire. She produced a knockout against Carolina Kovacanis that we just don't see on the women's level in terms of the one-punch variety. Follows it up with Andrade, with the slam on Nami Yunus that you mentioned here. How does Zong do it? I mean, she's consistent, (laughs) she's strong, but I don't know if I see one I specific avenue for
0: victory. That's a, that's a great point. And I w- this is where you wish our boy Luke Thomas there because he loves to break down these. Uh, well, these Luke Thomas
1: at this point, I think, be here. he probably got off jury duty because he probably broke down his long-winded theory on uh, performance-enhancing <laughs> drugs and how they should be legalized in America <laughs> at this
0: point. So uh, at that point, they're probably
1: like, we're done. We're, we're set. We're good. This you know,
0: low, low blows. Low I like low it. Low. Uh, I don't really see it either. I don't know how she'll get that done. But if she somehow figures out, maybe she catches her something, or you know, whatever it's going to be. Maybe there's a, a she gets uh, spirited by her her country people. Like gets, you never know, you never know. But it, it, I would like the fight to be competitive. I think that that's like what I would really like to see because I feel like that would show progress in terms of you know, uh, some for the Chinese fight because I know they've been they've been trying to educate the Chinese, uh, you know, get get them more involved with mixed martial arts, opening schools, all that stuff. If she puts on a competitive fight, that might actually carry. Um, you know that might carry more than whatever. I'd I'm not assume. even
1: sure what time this fight starts on the East. Coast. I don't know. Sometime
0: during the day. The rest of
1: the cr- card, as Luke Thomas would say, is the drizzling shit. So you got to be honest about that. <laughs> I mean, any of those names jumping out for you? Not, not, not really. not All right. really. <laughs> I did want to mention. You brought up one real quick. One championships was in the headlines in a big way this week. They're going to be doing two cards on one day, October 13th in Tokyo, calling it. I think, one century. I was yes. their 100th card in their company's history. But the hook is that the first of the two cards, which has more names American fans would recognize, is going to air live on TNT, mm-hmm. 11 p.m. Eastern. Chuck, we've been sort of waiting around going, hey, one,
0: I agree. You, yeah. you
1: got Demetrius Johnson, you got Eddie Alvarez, you got some <laughs> fun highlights, but if I can't watch you in real time <laughs> without getting a virus on my computer, like, <laughs> pretty big.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, the bigger issue... I mean, I think that that's what you just said, is, is America can't complain about that if, if they get this opportunity, right? So this is, this is one kind of saying, like, we're going to accommodate the North American audience, which they've been trying to make some inroads with. Okay, here we are. Does Demetrius Johnson, because the whole problem that he was exiled over there anyway is because he doesn't really move the needle, are people going to care? I almost feel like people care less... Uh, you know, I, they they care less about him now than they did before. But it's almost like they just kind of scrubbed him from memory in this weird way. The hardcore fan, it's it's bizarre how it they is. treat him. He's
1: falling off a pound for pound list and
0: like, just, of, just not just not seen. And it, he's yeah. still winning. It's not like he started to lose. But I do think that you know, it's it's cool for them to stack. I guess under their oh, you roster. Talk about stack. It's a stacked card. Basically,
1: for them. everybody that you've you've ever heard of on their on the roster yeah. is on one of these two shows.
0: Right. I just don't know why, I, because if it's at the same venue, I'm like, wasn't it just one like marathon show? Like, why split it into two? I'm maybe they, maybe they're, they're g- selling two sets of tickets. I'm just I don't happy they're getting
1: a live card in the States. They put the right people on it. I mean, Angela Lee will be in the main event. She's yeah. got a story people are caring about. You got Demetrius. You got Eddie. Eddie. There's, yeah. I think there's a Shinya Yaoki and a Yushin Okami sighting on there as well. But I think until they really make their US debut, you're not yeah. really going to see the full impact of what this promotion could be. Some of the things I I like that the guys get to wear the Ultimate yeah. Warrior armband around their uh, <laughs> Thai boxing style. But uh Michael Chavello saying the biggest night in MMA history at the last card, that kind of turned me off a little I'm sure. <laughs> that could be fixed very easily. Hyperbole? No. Hey, we've heard a lot from you and I, Chuck. Uh, we gotta hear from the donks. Let's do it. I think it's DM for this donks. That's why I time. came on right here. We gotta hear what the people want us to be talking about because I can talk about this nonsense all day. But what <laughs> we got? Let's hit it up from at dat underscore surge underscore doe on Instagram. <laughs> wow, that's a mouthful. All right, Chuck, how much of the Conor McGregor interview was influenced by ESPN? ESPN now has a very vested interest in getting Conor back in the octagon, getting him on TV for damage control. Seems like a smart business move. We definitely wanted to keep this topic and, and hit it because we're in a different time period here. UFC, yeah. certainly you would think, would want Conor front and center apologizing for his outside the cage uh, Bad karma, bad headlines of late, but ESPN certainly has a heavy financial interest as well yeah. in getting Connor rehabbed. Is it right to sort of pick apart <laughs> this interview with, with with gloves and sort of just, you know, make sure everything was asked and everything was, was sort of on the up and up?
0: I mean, it was part of why it was so weird is because they had all the B roll, they had all this stuff set up, like intros to each segment, and it was, it was, it was, um, Very ESPN, right? I thought that's the best you're going to get on something like Conor McGregor. Well, I'll come on and I'll do, we can fill an hour special where I'm going to give you all this stuff. I think that where it failed was it just didn't, he didn't say anything. There was nothing of substance there. And and so therefore it seemed anticlimactic. But the fact that he's doing it on ESPN, he's using that platform and and, you know, who knows what mandates are coming in from where or the motivations behind everything, but... It makes full sense, you know. It makes full sense for him to be on there doing it and for them to make a big deal of it.
1: This is an interesting crossroads at this point, though, of where we're at because ESPN's MMA coverage, which is fantastic, you can argue is the number one in the game or or has some of the biggest names in the game. Yet I don't think we've ever really been in this spot where they have where at the same time the company has so much potential financial interest in what the UFC does because they're the exclusive holder of the fight. So It's a tough spot for any journalist to be in. We're going to pick apart and scrutinize. And Ariel, certainly there was a lot I loved about that interview, but no mention of that recent sexual assault case uh, against Connor. Yeah, that makes you sort of question, was that a deal breaker on on the way in or whatever on that? That's where you, like that DM said, that's where you start to sort of question how deep we're going to attack UFC. And we've really never seen a giant scandal yet since ESPN's taken over UFC coverage where we're sort of going to be able to look on the outside in and see how much they d- they dug into this.
0: It's funny, because when ESPN got... You know, when the, when the partnership with the UFC began, I was like, you know, for a Disney-owned company, I was like, if they are... Afraid of bad headlines. This should be a very interesting. Or bad merit. tattoos, yeah. This, this should be. Uh, <laughs> because very- you're going to get it all the time. And, and Conor McGregor, now, right, right now, being a poster boy for that kind of thing. And John Jones. So you've got two of the, the biggest stars that are basically battling um, all kinds of things outside of their fighting. And, you know, man, it's just, we, we follow fighting. We know how this goes. But some of that stuff is pretty ugly. Some of that stuff is pretty ugly. And it becomes a responsibility to. Talk about all of it, you know what I mean? And you did at some one point. thing.
1: Connor did an excellent job for his own interest in kind of just talking in a big circle and not really yeah. addressing. Saying I don't <laughs> want, I don't want to talk about the guy I threw a jab at. Oh I God. was in the wrong. I want a little bit of details on there, a little bit of dirt. Why'd you step on that guy's phone? I got to find this stuff
0: out. All right, hey, let's move on. And usually he place. wouldn't. I don't know if that's where it's different. Usually he would give you something on that.
1: All right, what do we got up next? Let's hit it here. The people in my ear. By the way, I can't hear you in my ear. because My earpiece <laughs> fell out. If you're talking to me, all right,
0: at fight
1: dot center on Instagram. Mm. All right. Is Ben Askren's return scheduled too soon after such a terrible loss to Masvidal? Ben Askren signs on to face Demian Maia in a mm-hmm. heck of a potential grappling situation. Do you know the date, the date on the I buff
0: hand? I don't. That's what I was just about to ask you. I know that, obviously, that's happening, and I know it's... It was. Ju- I looked at this, and it was just far enough off where I thought that probably is okay. The, the idea is that was a brutal, brutal knockout. But he doesn't usually take a ton of damage. So it, it comes down to was he... Was he Okay, after that fight, obviously he doesn't remember it, so he he, he was concussed pretty good. But the good thing is, Damien Maya, how do you really go against this, something like that? If, I've, I've mentioned this a million times. If there's a, a pacifist in the UFC, a guy who's not going to not not all about throwing the hands, it's Damien Maya. So he's getting the ideal opponent if he is making yes. a comeback. Two Styles
1: so. make fights. Yep. Styles make fights when somebody's coming back and needs a soft-ish landing. Maya is over that hill now. He's tried his best, he worked himself back into yeah. a title contender there at Welterweight. Got as far as it. he could, not knocking people out. This kind of feels like the perfect
0: it's launch. is the perfect fight.
1: The best thing Askren can do to sort of put that behind him. Same thing we said about Connor. the best thing he can do is get in there and start beating some dudes, have a three fight year again. For Ben Askren, this is probably the best thing rather it than is. getting uh, rattled again. So- I'm
0: sure he's dying, too, to like erase the memory of what just happened because I think his stock was at like maybe an all-time high going on. So basically, it was a baton exchange, right? all just took everything that, uh, that Askren gave him and took off with it, and now here's Askren... Down at the bottom, trying to get the scraps again. So this is a great chance for him to kind of get back in there. It'll
1: be interesting to see how his wrestling merges with uh, it's, it's Maya's relentlessness. It's fascinating. That's I love be that. A, I mean, to have, he for he high level grapple. nerds, the, metamor- yeah. the, the Luke yeah. Thomases of the world, the Matt oh, yeah. nerds, you know, he gets, gets off on that. He loves that There you go on <laughs> that one. Hey, let's. What he got next for me? Come on, people. At Cooper underscore Whitmire, Francis Nganu versus the Bronze Bomber. Heavyweight boxing oh, champion man. Deontay Wilder in a street fight. Oh my God! Who wins? Interesting here. Now,
0: fans who, win, Brian. The fan. Well, the whoever's in the street, whatever, <laughs> whatever homeless folks are in the street that yeah. night,
1: they're gonna win. Interesting. Now we're talking about a street fight because you're gonna be able to dirty box. Right. You're gonna. it might be a cracked beer bottle. You might have a. Uh, you know. You might have brass knucks in your pocket. No, but straight up. Knowing that, I would go with. Uh, straight up, no Wilder. rules fight in a confined space.
0: That I would. I would have to go with Wilder there.
1: Now here's where it's interesting though cuz if we're going to compare and contrast we know there's it's different when you punch in MMA compared to when you punch as yeah. a boxing champion. I mean we found that out even with McGregor walking in there against Mayweather the punching the leverage the strength was all sort of different. But Ngannou seems to have the kind of concussing power that's just next level he in does. any sport. Certainly Deontay Wilder is one of the biggest punchers and best finishers in boxing history. Would they cancel each other out I enough where Ngannou's muscular advantage and I mean, he's not a great.
0: I just think Wilder has that dog in him more so. You know, like he's gonna. I think he he's gonna be more willing. If it's a street fight, I think he's gonna be like, "Let's do it immediately," and therefore land first. I just I, I think he'd be the aggressor. That'd be hellacious. Would you imagine? that? I would love. You to. know what
1: we're missing out in combat I'm sports? I'm sadistic, is, but I'd love to see. You it. are very sadistic. I have. I've seen you with your head off. Do you know um? <laughs> you know that, that that pit, the BKB. Remember that fighting pit. Remember BKB yeah. originally was launching itself as bare knuckle boxing. And then they really couldn't get it. Uh, Passed with yep. the uh, commission, so they went to that pit and they essentially did boxing matches in a phone booth. And the pit was interesting because there's no ropes to lean against. You fall, you fall <laughs> on an angled
0: surface. I'd like to see. You wanted to see a moat around it
1: with Yeah, well, I know we're seeing the launch of with alligator, with yes. sharks with yes. freaking laser beams on there. <laughs> I know we're getting to the point where there's almost too much bare knuckle fighting now, and it's okay, yeah. but it's still not like go into that phone booth and see who comes out on top. Give me Nganu, give me. Wilder they're in
0: the BKB pit, what, how, how big should the gloves be? How big? Uh, oh man! I mean, I, I you, uh, somewhere in between. Yeah, but no, it's somewhere you in between. Can't run, make them no both over happy. Hide.
1: There's no takedowns. It's just old school uh, bar fighting, right?
0: I think Ngannou would actually like that. I think his biggest, you know, the big thing he has to get used to is the wrestling, right? Like he doesn't want to be wrestled. So I think he would actually dig that fight. That'd be interesting. Yeah. I think in that
1: setup, you got to go wilder just with the boxing yeah. advantage, right there. Yeah. Uh, did you ever see the movie Far and Away? Some good Far fighting in that, All right, Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman. Yeah, Cade that's a, yeah. Where they're coming when I, from Ireland? Yeah, when I, think of of Ireland. when I think of people like Tyson right. Fury and the Gypsies fighting yeah. for their freedom, I think of Tom Cruise. <laughs> All right, hey, you got any more for us? I like what the dogs have to say here. Bring it, bring it. At I sound taller. Wow, you think that's, uh, what's the guy that wished he was a baller? Scilo. Oh, right, yes, there you go. I wonder so if hitting us up here. Luke isn't on this episode. That is true. What hot takes slash controversial opinions do you have that you're afraid to talk about when Luke is around? Ooh. This is a testy subject here. Luke will Luke will uh, grab you by the throat verbally and sort of giving you that force choke that they do in Star Wars. Very, very Vader-like if you uh, if you cross his theories here. You're gonna enter into any kind of talk about PEDs. You gotta be ready oh, yeah. to dig in again. That's
0: gotta Luke. be the thing.
1: You got any hot takes you wanna in all, all of you hot... sitting next to Luke on, on on tables like this?
0: Oh man. Take, he's, he's pretty open. He's pretty. He's pretty much an open book, right? Like, so he's you know. I see him guzzling his Pepto Bismol before a show and things like that. But he comes in with <laughs> he these talks jerky about
1: sticks it. that are about this long. You know, I'm not he judging talks him, about he all likes, of he this stuff. He likes cured meat. He's fantastic. He, he
0: wears his uh, you know his neuroses on his sleeve. So I don't you know gotta, if you
1: saw last week's episode though, when we had the great Thanksgiving debate. Okay. Which, which did. luckily overshadowed my hot takes that Stepe Miocic is not the greatest heavyweight of all time, which people want to come into my door and assault me. But Luke took a, took some shots at at both Turkey Day being the best holiday and the idea of that meal being fantastic. He's got something. He's, he's got his out own. something from his past. Something happened to that man in Marietta, Georgia. All right, something happened to him. right, no, we're, we're going to get to the bottom of it. All right, we're <laughs> going to get to the bottom. That's the topic we need to talk about when he's not around. There right? you go. Love yeah. me some Luke Thomas. Obviously, <laughs> hope he's doing well in trial. Right yes. Now.
0: I'm sure, I'm sure he's loving it. You kidding? He loves long, that kind of thing. I've
1: had some long jury duty days, you know, where you're like you're waiting till 5 p.m. and just to be told not. Have you have you sat I've, in on a I've trial
0: never sat in. I've been to. I've been called in, but I never get on the actual jury. So,
1: what happens in jury duty stays
0: in jury yeah. duty, right? It's usually my day. It's like a four or five hour day, and then they're like, "All right, you can go." All That's right. usually what happens for me. All
1: right. All right. What else we got here? Hit me up at Tattoo Tatum Temple. All right. There you go. Uh, favorite whiskey. Chuck, I could see you as a high spirit guy. I, I don't really dip much into whiskey. I've had Connor's whiskey. It's, it's, yeah. it's flavorful. It's very sugary. Is that sugary. your favorite? It's, it's, I'm, I'm not really a whiskey guy. I'm, a, I'm an IPA guy for to, for yeah. life here. But uh, oh, I could see you getting, perfect getting down. Perfect
0: foil for uh, Luke Thomas. Perfect then. foil. <laughs> maybe, maybe getting
1: one of those. In the town I live in, all the, all the trendy dads think they're hip and cool, so they yeah. buy the bourbon glasses with those special ice cubes uh-huh. in there. I could see you in suburban Connecticut getting down like that.
0: I mean... I would say that the the scarcity of the Pappy Van Winkle brand, you know, like just being able to try to find it. I was smart enough back in the day to go track down some bottles um, before it got to the point where they're selling for two thousand dollars a bottle for the twenty year old and things like that. So I've had everything but the twenty year old. I've had right. a twenty bottle of twenty three, and I have to say, man, you can taste the difference. W- yeah, I mean, it's 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 very good. But I will say, like well, you know, you get down to the ten and twelve year old, I'm not sure that those are better than, you know, plenty of other ones that are out there. Um, you know. Uh, but I would say that ultimately I like drinking that. I just, I find the 23 and the 20 and the 15, all those ones that are kind of the harder to find, they, they're worth the money. Maybe not 2,000, but if you're in a bar and they have them, 50, you know, like maybe $100 for a glass, it is, worth the, it is worth the splurge.
1: Is that your whiskey, meaning, is that your, like, no, stressful man. stressful day. Sit back on the
0: couch. No, no, no. Tell the kids I, it's to go only in a room. special occasion thing. So, like what, what's
1: your what's your go to? How does Chuck Mendenhall
0: get off? What, I mean, well, on you know, <laughs> re- relatively <laughs> so. So usually it starts with me opening my computer. No, it's I, uh, <laughs> the- <laughs> No, I have. Um, I have I have a variety of different bottles, but I would say like I mean honestly like Jack Daniels, Jim Beam, like if you're just mixing drinks Old or school. something, you Old just school. go with you, the, you just go with that. the standards. man. You
1: in on this uh, craft beer revolution? The fact I that I mean, New England IPAs yeah. are just changing I've the game. I've stood in and some lines. Anyone you know, any in some any lines. other state who goes, well, uh, Pittsburgh's got great. No, they don't. Okay, I, I, you yeah. know people got to understand once you Pittsburgh does have a good one. Yeah, but once you wait in the line in the woods for Treehouse in Massachusetts, oh, or yeah. you take the journey well, up to Maine, or Alchemist in Vermont, you find out it's just a different. Have you been to these places? I have been. Yeah. Same here, and uh, it's just an. It, it is. Know, it's a different level. When you taste, I say this a lot in pro wrestling. When you taste the steak, when you taste the very best of what something has to offer, you can't go back. You yeah, know? you can't go back. Sorry, Bud. Can thank
0: you. <laughs> very. It much. is true. Right. You can't go back to that watery domestic crap.
1: All right, what else we got here? I, there's got to be something else. There's got to be more from the people. Nothing? You got nothing for me? All right. I, I would hear you if if you were if the, if my airpiece wasn't <laughs> under the table right now. Um, odds and ends. Let's sort of recap what we didn't touch on, what's going on this weekend. I wanted to point out that uh, ESPN bringing us a, a, a boxing title match that we have to see this weekend when pound-for-pound pound king Vasily Lomachenko defends two of his lightweight belts and fights for a third one that's vacant, the WBC, when he takes on former gold medalist Luke Campbell of Great Britain in Great Britain. And Chuck... We love us some Vasily Lomachenko. We love his uh, artistic stylings. We love his incredible footwork. Hey, he did a lot of sparring with TJ Dillashaw, by the way. Hope hope he got tested after that. Just, you know, a little little Mm -hmm. secondhand rub right there. Um, (laughs) But uh, he's a fantastic artist. And what makes this fight so interesting is Luke Campbell technically can box, and he's a lot taller and a lot longer. Luke Campbell gave Jorge Linares hell. I thought he maybe deserved the decision there. And if you remember, Linares may have been Lomachenko's toughest fight, Lomachenko's incredible, but I think he's found his ceiling at 135, where maybe not much more he can go unless there's some super fight for big-time money at 140. So this is a different kind of style we're going to see him against. And if he can come out of England, enemy territory, Mm -hmm. with three of four belts, you know top rank is setting up for later this year. Richard Kami, Teo Fimo Lopez Jr. Chuck, could you imagine (laughs) if we've got... Lomachenko and Teofimo Lopez, like the, the sort of crossroads uh, variety of the veteran pound for pound king against the young up-and-comer, trash talker, big punch. <laughs> Look, just, just talking about long-term planning. This is what I want to see. You big Loma guy? I do like him, yeah. I do like him. All right, he's, I'm,
0: kind of, uh, he's an artiste. He's he good. is, man. He, I would say that that's true. You know, like watching him fight is like uh, it's like watching some kind of ritual or a dance a little bit. It really is. like I don't think we've <laughs> seen
1: footwork. I mean, Roy Jones yeah. did did things that were just not functionally sound because he was so athletic. He but but the the way that Lomachenko dances out there, the yeah. way that he trains, and all the weird sort of uh, hand and foot, uh, yeah. it's, it's incredible. How old he does is he this. now? He, he is in his early it. 30s. Let's not forget, I mean, two-time Olympic gold medalist, stayed in the amateur there was program was par- a long There was a time. point
0: where I kind of wanted to see if he would switch over to MMA. Like, there was a, like a, just a little bit of, like, the, the Dillashaw stuff. Yes, and, you know, yes. I, there, I I kind of fantasize about that a little bit because it seems like he might translate over.
1: That is NBA interesting city. to know. It's such a risk for these guys to ever think about doing that yeah. because nobody, of course, nobody wants yeah. to take such a public L. Why Why do the big names don't go to the dunk contest That's true. these days? They, nobody wants to take an L a, on camera. I'm willing especially to take L, Especially right? these boxers who right?
0: manicure their... Matchmaking, That's and all very that stuff. true. Yep. But uh, I love Darren to be great. I love what Lowell
1: has done in his young career. Yep. He sort of started a new trend, Chuck, when from the standpoint of like, let's not wait 25, 30 fights to fight for a world title. This is a guy who wanted to do it in his <laughs> pro debut, did it in his second fight and yep. lost, came back in his third fight. Now he's won titles in three divisions. Love him. What do you got yep. for us, odds and ends?
0: Well, we were talking about crossover. I, I, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, rugby player James Haskell is going, he signed with Bellator. And it's like, it's one of those things. MMA has always been a little bit of a hobby for some guys, right? Like, they they do it as a hobby, and I've heard about him a little bit going back. I know that Michael Bisping, he was at London Shoot Fighters, but Michael Bisping had kind of uh, mentioned him from way back just being a good athlete. Luke Barnott, you know, a big slow, had trained with him a little bit. So this one I felt like would happen at some point. I thought it might happen, you know, in his earlier 30s, but now I think he's like 34, he's going to give it a shot. Have you ever seen this guy? I have not seen. He him. is huge, man. He is a, he's a huge Pajanowski huge? Not quite like that, but he is stacked. I mean, he is just a, he's a specimen. So, I'm intrigued to see to what point he can come in there. I don't feel like this is uh, you know, a situation like CM Punk or anything like that. This guy this I think this guy's going to be legit. What is uh a- does he have a fighting background? Is there? I mean, not. Not. He's been. He's been a rugby player, international rugby he played. For, he played in London, but he's played all over the globe. I just. So no. And I'm Rod, not. No, I'm Rod not Lesner, a big
1: amateur. Wrestling no. Background. But I
0: mean, you, you see guys like Volkanovski, right? Like who who they come from something like rugby, and somehow they've they actually find some uh, some stuff within that that game to bring to the MMA cage. I wonder about that a little bit. I think he he just has that that feel to him a little bit. Now I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but I, I feel like he, he he'll have a compelling, especially at heavyweight. I feel like he'll have a little bit of a more of a compelling uh, story. I know he's a he loves like he's from what I understand his boxing and jujitsu are his specialties. So
1: well, Bellator seems to have cornered the market on they fat have. white heavyweights. And yes. You can just
0: kind of throw out there. So one hundred percent. These guys maybe you driving, can go in there and dominate that. Maybe
1: driving the Uber or setting yep. up the cage, and then they just sort of give him a fight after that. That's good to know. Uh, also, um, I don't know if this moves you at all, but Ken Shamrock at fifty-five. <laughs> I know he's. I knew la- that would move you. He's yet a- he's launching yet another bare knuckle <laughs> federation that's out there, and uh, boxer Isha Smith, by the way, signed up for that. But he's going to make a pro wrestling comeback at 55 with Impact Wrestling, which is a little bit below the radar these days. Mm-hmm. Even though I've got a nice old school TNA Impact Wrestling that. shirt right here.
0: But, bought, um, bought a, you bought that for ten bucks. Didn't I did you?
1: buy this for ten bucks. I don't think King Mo, who's my guy by the way, yeah, big King Mo, love him. Here, right, all right, he's a great guy. I mean, that spinning back fist from Emmanuel o. Newton <laughs> that time, or both times, but that was a tough break. But um, where was I? Oh, dude. Um... I mean, I don't doubt that Ken Chamberlain can get his skin leatherly and, and maybe uh, take some supplements and uh, find some abs under there. But uh, I have a feeling that this guy is still going to be doing something like this when he's in his 80s. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, it, this is almost a surprise to me, but it's it, it's like so so weird and cringy that I have to see it. He's going to be doing a, a program oh, against Moose. I love that shit. Moose, is a former <laughs> yeah. uh, NFL lineman with the Atlanta Falcons, now a wrestler with Impact Wrestling. They're developing a little rivalry here, and we're going to see that. I don't Does it move you anytime we do this MMA pro wrestling crossover? Cain Velasquez is a big topic right now. He's meeting, by the way, ESPN's Mark Ramundi reported with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Oh, really? Potentially no, signing I did not a hear deal. that. He's got a couple dates left with uh, with uh, They keep all that Triple A. I don't know. People hate. I, I know the YouTube comments. They hate when I talk pro wrestling. <laughs> they call me. What do they call me? Chubby Lance Base? Uh, Bass? Bass. I think, yeah, Bass? Yeah, I think. Rob. Rob Bass. Rob One Rob of Lance those. Lance Bass, DJ Easy uh-huh. Rock. Um, not moving you at all.
0: Not really. Right. Not really.
1: Uh, do, do you think uh, uh, Ken Shamrock could pass the USADA test right
0: now? <laughs> no. But uh, does he have to worry about that? No, no, he probably so, doesn't. So, I about mean, that. you know, he put himself in the right position, okay. you know, to make that happen.
1: All right, what else you got on outsides? Anything else you're looking forward to?
0: Oh, man. I just feel like I've made it to the big leagues, though. Look you at this. You have made it to the big Look leagues. at this. I mean,
1: we went, you know, this long and we didn't even bring up Andrew Luck's retirement. You got any hot tweets? <laughs> you want you to talk about it? Have we ever really seen this in, um, in our modern fight era? I mean, Rocky Marciano is is the one we always point to. But have we seen this? Because I think we're so accustomed with fighters. When they do that, like Floyd Mayweather retiring after the Ricky Hatton win, walking away, but we all know he's going to come back. Megatron, something like that. But in the fight game, have we...
0: Oh, in the fight game? Is Uh, it
1: it the built-in belief that they're always gonna come back that will never believe that's them? the problem right
0: because we've had guys you know conor mcgregor has retired right but he's always come back yeah, we like didn't bring we,
1: up when we just talked about him he announced with Ariel hawani that it's not a retirement it wasn't yeah. a retirement everybody knows i
0: think him. we kind of took that as a given but uh that's the problem right like anybody was like uh who was it stephen struve recently retired and it, it, within the same year he's back you know he's fighting the within the yeah so it's always with a grain of salt when guys like this, but it's very definitive when a guy like Andrew Luck, and it just doesn't seem real, like you see that habit, it's like genuine shock because people are, it's almost like such a privileged position to be a, quarter, a good quarterback in the league, a guy who can actually, uh, you know, is a winner in the league and could actually win Super Bowls and you know he's a franchise guy to step away just shy of 30 years old, right? So that's, it's shocking news. It's brought out
1: a, uh, an insane level of back-and-forth hate oh my and deeper God. talks from Doug Gottlieb's tweet. Oh Troy man. Aikman sending him that to hell. That poor guy, the ratio. But, but, you know, I mean, the fans booing him after finding that out. That was Two minutes later,
0: that's pretty bad. I'm not going to sit on the high horse here's, here. The, here's the thing, though, man. Like, Okay, that's, that's absurd behavior. And any rational person is not going to behave that way. But I'm a Denver Broncos guy. Like, if John Elway is just right in the middle of his career is like, I'm done. I'm pretty sure I'd be heartbroken and I'm pretty sure I would want to take off. I don't know if I'd take off my jersey and burn it, but I'm sure that you would be like, oh my God, you've deceived me on some level, right? Because that's your connection. We, we forget that these fans are that fanatical about their team. So I can see where those guys are coming from to an extent.
1: Uh, do you think this is a hedge play by the Colts? They're not making him return any of the uh, advanced money that we've seen in other situations. Barry Sanders, uh, Calvin Johnson don't early retirement. That. The Lions came after him for the money. I almost feel like the Colts are saying, fine, dude, take a year off. Let your brain rest. Let your they body might. rest. See on vacation with the wife, but you'll I be saw back. a lot of people talking about that. And, um, I mean, there was a lot of hot takes that maybe he well, would dude, go with the XFL route because his dad's been hired by Vince McMahon to point. run that one. I mean, come on on that one. I don't not. think he could do that, though, could he? No, he couldn't yeah. under contract. With. But we don't see it in fighting movies, we've seen Sugar Ray Leonard walk away with injuries and then come back. I would Not, like to I, I mean we've maybe, outside of Rocky Marcel, there's really been no and, one. Who's and the been... guys
0: who really disappear don't announce their retirement. Like TJ Grant, for instance, was one of those guys. He gets, he works his way up in the lightweight division to earn a title shot. He's next. He suffers a concussion doing jujitsu, and it's almost like he went into the Twilight Zone. Nothing ever happened again. He never came back. I've always wondered what what he what really went on. You know, what really went on between all this stuff. But there are guys like that, but there are very few who, who can get to that level and then they just disappear or they, they retire. Well, Most the guys don't want to use that word and mean it.
1: No, and the reason why I bring that up about that you don't see that in fighting often because we never believe them. But number two, I bring it up because part of what Andrew Luck's talking about is it has to be the ongoing thing about head trauma. It guys does. get to a certain point, they've made the money, they've done certain things, they're sort of saying, what's the price I have to pay in combat sports? Good Lord. I mean... It's part of the deal, and I, I'm a little bit surprised we don't see more guys get to the Conor McGregor level, get to after he beats Eddie Alvarez, or even after yeah. the Mayweather and just go, look, I'm done, guys. Like There's a, there's a only bad things that can happen he from legit, this point
0: forward. He was one of the guys who I legit thought might stay up. Like There was a possibility from a superstar standpoint like that like who might not because he likes the money. He's already made a ton of money. He's always on Forbes list like, just about every year over the last few years. Just knowing that, and then he has his his whiskey, everything else going on, I'm like, I thought maybe he might walk away, but he's also addicted to it on some strange level. So it doesn't surprise me that he's back, you know, but I'm like, there are a few guys who I think have that good sense and that big picture where they're like, hey, man, I've taken every vital, uh, anything I can from the fight game. There's absolutely no point to stick around right in their prime.
1: What would be the, uh, real quick, the combat sports equivalent to the shock that we all saw when we saw that Andrew Luck news. You know, you didn't see it coming. Is there, yeah. a, is there? What would be the combats where it's equivalent to that? I don't know if there really is one.
0: Not that I can recall.
1: No, it, it, that we haven't seen. Like oh, that few, we like, haven't that, seen? That you saw tomorrow. I mean, it, it'd be something like that. I don't know. I don't know. You? I mean I guess it'd be if it was a Deontay Wilder or somebody going you know i, I it would won have the to be somebody I've gotten to this point Sorry guys not going to give you any of those big fights I'm gonna walk away <laughs> and, yeah it would be interesting we it's did, such
0: we a different seen. thing too with the team sport because there's a guy behind him right yeah. like that they're grooming yeah. there's, there's a, a guy behind him there's, there's a fan base there's there's that's there's 11 that yes. are all up in our- so God, it's like
1: God OJ Simpson's video <laughs> oh my <laughs> God I'm surprised you didn't pull out a weapon at the end of the God. That was very interesting all right I wanted to close with one thing all right this weekend it's chilling. Backyard, you got very serious. This is- barbecuing, and when I get out there, crack a beer, and I'm barbecuing in the backyard. The last days of summer, cool breeze, dogs running all around. I'm putting '90s music on. It's the way I roll. It's the way I get down. Had this debate with my neighbor. Wanted to ask you if you agree. I'm not asking you the best song of the 1990s. Oh my God. You could go Black by Pearl Jam, and and I'll fight you if you want to argue on that. It's just one of those. But the most 90s song in history, the song that a second you hear it, you're mentally back in like 1997 in your car uh, driving around or whatever. I think the most 90s, 90s song ever Orinoco Flow? Semi Charmed Life
0: by (laughs) Third Eye Blind. I just heard that last night. That's funny. I just That's heard the
1: that on my 90s song, and I think it would probably make a top 10 of best 90s song, too, in terms of quality.
0: Interesting. You're going to back me on that? You're more big of a... Oh, I will, say, I will say that I... That is... So, when I hear that song, it is so very 90s that it does remind me 100% of that decade. I, I will say that. I don't know if I would put it as, like, my song of the decade or anything like that. I think the
1: second I hear that, man... You know that you're saying? just right back. It yeah, just I mean, zooms you right the back. The four right chords can make me cry, you know what I mean? But when I'm with... Zooms you back
0: to when you're a teenager... In the 90s? Oh, yeah.
1: Community College, 1985 Chevy Celebrity. You know, a lot of of crazy things happened in that car. All right. That's going to wrap it up for Morning Combat this week. Shout out to the great Luke Thomas. We had some fun with him. Look, the former Marine serving his country and his people once again with jury duty. Standing up for that man. I don't think he lasted an hour.
0: No. He's got too many hardcore beliefs. I hope he ends things. up on like a ridiculous trial. That would be great. Well, maybe he maybe Then, was then I'll be in back here. Maybe, maybe, then maybe we'll Wally some, Pip.
1: Then we'll Wally Pip. Where can yeah. the people find you, Chuck Mendenhall? Not all, all these people already know who you are, but I, your work at The Athletic is fantastic. Can I find Thank you, I you on social media?
0: Uh, you can. You can find me on Twitter at, at Chuck Mendenhall, just my name. And my Instagram, which I barely use, I should use it more, is at Chuck underscore Mendenhall. All
1: right. You so. haven't been in Laura Senko's DMs, right? All right. Just, no, no, just making no. sure. <laughs> um, Brian Campbell. <laughs> Signing off here. Check out my podcast, "Data Combat," on CBS Sports. Rashad Evans and myself breaking oh, yeah. down all things yeah, MMA. Yeah, great man. Thank you. We'll be back next week. More fighting, more combat. What does uh, Luke say? Ha- uh, jump up, jump up, and get down. Hands Something up. Something like chin hands down,
0: down. chin oh, yeah. up. Yeah.